Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI. Today is the 15th of the 5th and I am here again today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Michael, how are you? I'm excellent, Gary. The strawberries have arrived. My house is also full of strawberries. And yet, it's not full of strawberries because no matter how many strawberries I buy, I leave the room and when I come back, there are no strawberries. And there's curious staining all over my girlfriend. I Sadly, your strawberries are not Wexford strawberries, nor indeed Gory strawberries, which are special strawberries. Today was the day the season opened in Gory and B- and greens uh, had their first berries. It was actually a gloriously Wexford moment. I thought I would be the lone soldier that would be there actually at half eight for the opening thing. (laughs) Within one minute of my arrival, the car park was literally full of people desperately running. When I was a kid, Gary, pubs on Stevens's day used to have a queue outside them waiting desperately after the closed day of Christmas to get in. I haven't seen that for years. This was like that. I don't know if it's the pandemic and the shutdown. I'd say within, happily, within a 15-minute period, 30 people had come to buy strawberries. And were, it was like Christmas. Everyone was so happy and smiley. It was um, an, an odd, I don't know, Irish, Wexford moment. But anyway, I got my strawberries and I'm home and I'm happy with it. Personally, I think that gory strawberries are merely adequate. You've never had one. Oh, I have. Not if that's your opinion. Merely adequate when they're, they're, when they're transcendent. They are. They're, they're the platonic idea of what a strawberry should be. Now, Gary, let's not talk strawberries. It'll, it'll start. It'll get, it'll get, in, it'll get nasty very quickly. I've forgotten the weird bigotry that people in Wexford have about strawberries. Well, there's raspberries, gooseberries too. Also, the blackberries are fantastic. And the new potatoes. But let's let's stay away from the controversial stuff, Gary. The image I have in my head now is of a uh, strawberry in a Nazi uniform putting a gun to someone's head. That's Wexford. Well, it's still a strawberry. I mean, how can you not like it? Anyway. Because it's a Nazi. It's, yeah, but it's a strawberry. So you're saying Hitler, where he strawberry flavoured, would have been no moral objections there. There's a difference to being strawberry... This is what being from Wexford no, no, does no. to you. <laughs> There's a difference being strawberry-flavoured and a strawberry, Gary. No, I no, would suggest no. that if you're, Hitler you're, had been a you're... strawberry, Auschwitz, in fact, the whole of the Nazi regime, would unlikely have happened. Very few countries in the history of mankind have ever elected or created the dictator out of a strawberry. Strawberries have been remarkably pacific. If Hitler was a strawberry, the Jews would have liked Auschwitz. I'm saying that had Stalin, for example, been a strawberry, we would never have heard of Stalin. Probably have heard a lot more about Trotsky, though. Very probably. Or Malenkov. Okay, that took a... That, that kind of turned from where I thought we were going. There you go. Maybe the lockdown is having an impact on us. Maybe it's having an impact on the listeners. The listener? Well, not unless the rest of them have died. Well, locked in their little basements... No sunlight getting in. I always imagine that. I just hope that they, they they don't have those you know those metal manacles that always look like they chaff the skin. I always hope that they have something soft on their their wrists so it's not too sore. That was actually I I don't know if I ever told you about this. I probably did. I may not have mentioned it on the podcast before though. I was doing some work for um one of the European institutions. We'll just leave it at that. Right. And uh, we're doing some stuff on torture and i had to look into some of the rules regulating torture and whether or not it was tightly regulated enough because michael you may you may not know this but torture is something that people like to be regulated absolutely and some would say bad and well and defined but there was a french company that made um there's what's called stress positions yes and basically they they they're restraints that put you into a position where your body just starts to break down yes because you can't hold the position it puts you in for too long 
It's like um, it's like wait, crucifixion. If they put that, I think it was you could put a step on the crucifix, and people could push up to take the pressure off their lungs. Yeah, but that would put greater pressure everywhere else, and eventually you'd get tired and you'd fall down again. But it was a French company who made those sort of things, and they were mostly exporting them to Africa. I think you know, away from civilized society, Africa and the Middle East. Right. They'd been banned, and when I went onto their website one day, I saw that they were still selling them, but. <laughs> What they had done is they, and they were selling them as lots. You couldn't buy one of them. You had to buy like a number of them because no one buys torture equipment in the single. And what they had done is they hadn't moved anything about it, but they had changed its name to say it was BDSM gear. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah, absolutely. And they changed the description. It was just on a security firm and randomly in amongst all of these like restraints and weapons was just bondage gear. And then the company just said, well, like we had them in stock and we wanted to get rid of them. And so there was a there was a sort of internal discussion of, okay, they're probably lying about that. But can we prove they're lying about that? Mm. And in the end, we had to decide that no, it was entirely possible that that French company was sending, uh, was selling large amounts of BDSM gear to African dictators. A, 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 a market which had probably historically been undersupplied with bondage and sadomasochistic paraphernalia. And to deny them an export license on the basis that Africa was an unlikely market for that would have been racist. People I were working with got very angry about this. Because they're sort of going, these are people facilitating torture. These are monsters. I didn't get angry about it because I found it unbelievably funny. Well, it's creative. I mean, it was a company that we said, okay, what you're doing is torture. And they, without any pause, just went, but it's for sex. And we had to stand there going, we didn't think, uh, we didn't see this one coming. We just thought you'd say, yes, that's terrible. We'll stop selling it. But like, you know. There's a there's a point at which you have to wonder where you stop with this. For example, if the regulation of torture, if France was going to was exporting electricity to North Africa, say to Algeria, mm-hmm. would you have to stop that on the basis that one of your favorite to- tools of the torture is a little bit of zap zap down to the old genital region? You know, plug on the batteries onto the nipples. You know, and turn on the battery. Yeah, are you going to stop people getting electricity? Are you going to stop people getting car batteries? People are going to be creative, Gary. They're going to use what they can. I, mean, I always remember, and again, it's, a, it's it's all about perceptions and context. I've said to you before, the the, the wise words of Professor uh, Korish, who's Professor of History, Modern History, who said that very often the Inquisition was a misunderstood body. He said, at the end of the day, what was it? It was simply sticking matches between your toes and saying, do you love Jesus? And at the end of the day, if you, if you, if you can't buy matches from France, you'll, buy, you'll find matches at home. You'll get them at you know. I kind of miss the if Hitler was strawberry flavoured conversation. You see, you said strawberry flavoured, I'm saying strawberry. Let's not get back into that bowl of custard. No, no, this is a current affair show. Yes. Not like a Monty Python sketch. No, there are no dead parrots hanging around here. So, so in America. Yes, we wanted to talk about America, about Russia, about Donald Trump, about collusion. About, about Joe Biden. About Joe Biden. About many things. We are, of course, speaking about the current, I don't even know what I would call it. There's a, there's a current debate in America about uh, General Flynn. Now, General Flynn worked for the, uh, for those who aren't aware of the general story, General Flynn worked for the Trump campaign and then 
Trump presidency for a very short period of time. He resigned. He was recorded speaking to the FBI. Uh, the FBI were talking to him about a conversation he had had with the Russian ambassador. He denied certain things. It then turned out that he uh, may have done those things and he was brought to court. Uh, he made a deal. He pled guilty to a felony count of willfully and knowingly make f- making false statements to the FBI. Right. And he agreed to cooperate with an investigation. Um, he later said that he wanted to change his plea, that um, he had effectively been entrapped by the FBI. Mm-hmm. Recently, the United States Department of Justice, that it was dropping all charges against him. Now, a federal judge has currently put that move on hold. Right. So that's actually still a little bit up in the air. But what's happened is that it has come out that several fairly high-ranking people involved with the Obama administration had unmasked, is the correct term for it, Flynn in some intelligence reports. Now, which we might even point out at this point, persons in the Obama administration, including blessed Barack Obama. And Joe Biden, and there's quite a lot of people involved in it. So what that means is if you get an intelligence report in America and it's on a foreign citizen, but it picks up an American citizen. So this was, they had, the Americans had been recording the phone calls of the Russian ambassador. Yeah. And Flynn had had a phone call with him. So what happens is because Americans are not looking to spy on American citizens, and it becomes much more difficult if you're spying on uh, non-foreigners, they will mask them. They will, instead of their name, they will write US male one or US citizen one. Unmasking is where you go to the intelligence services and ask them to reveal the name to you. It is... A perfectly legal bureaucratic thing you kind of see between over the last kind of five years you've seen between like seven and seventeen thousand of them a year and so all it would do is tell you who that person actually is this has become a bit of an issue in america richard grenell is as acting director of national intelligence declassified the names of everyone who requested the unmasking of General Flynn. Now, it is important to point out when something is unmasked, it is still classified. Yes. And if you share it, it is a crime. It would, in fact, be quite serious. So, what's happened is that now we are seeing the declassification of the people who uh, requested that he be unmasked. Now, because it's been declassified, other people can now share it. But you're looking at um, quite a lot of people here. The pushback from the Democrats has been that Grenell is a um is a trump appointee and that this is a um is just a political hatchet job of course then the republicans are saying the unmasking of general flynn was also a political hatchet job yeah so joe biden is on that list former fbi director james comey is on that list there are rather a lot of people on that list i don't quite get the trump administration's complaints about this in well, that, yes, okay, he, there's a couple the, of... The unmasking, but well, if, what was done with it? Well, it's a couple of things. I suppose there's there's the pro, there's the process issue itself, where they basically went in there, as they would construe it, they, they went after Ryan. But I think the broader issue is the... It, is that ultimately, and is there a... They say there's, a there's an inside story here, that Obama is... And went was and went soft on Russia, and there has to be 
and what what was the reason for that? That um, no, the best me, the best reading of it, or the the most, what should we say, charitable reason, is that he, the Obamas, had put all of his foreign uh, policy eggs in the basket of getting a, a nuclear deal with Iran. That Putin was important to keep on side in that. That he was, if he he could get. Putin's back up on that. The problem is, of course, there that he he didn't get his deal. Everything blew up, and he ended up getting what was, in the context of the thing, a wildly disproportionate, what was perceived to be a white, a very disproportionately soft response to what was an attempt, blatantly, to interfere with American politics. But we have to suppose to to get the full thing. We have to roll it back, don't we, Gary? Because this is not the first time there has been a lot of brouhaha about. Somebody getting involved with the Russians in an attempt to influence American politics. Yeah, I, I mean, there is the wider issue of the Russian investigation. But I'm not sure what this actually proves. Because if you got an intelligence report saying that someone had been talking to the Russian ambassador and it gives certain details about that conversation, it would be pretty normal to sort of go, and who was that person? And it doesn't show that they did anything with it, or no, that it was part of anything. Not that, yeah. but the Mueller report is a slight takes. Then that's when we get to the Mueller report, and the Mueller report said straight out that Russian Russia began interfering in American democracy in two thousand and fourteen. Now, remembering that the it had been the 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 Obama et al had been trying to make out that Trump etc had been colluding with the Russians and had been acting. Now that was. They never got anywhere with that. That was blown out of the water. And in fact, the situation, according to the Mueller report, is that Russia began interfering in American democracy in 2014. Now, actually, there, there is one thing that I will say I did find interesting. And it's a very minor thing. The requests are dated. Yeah. So we know, we know when people actually asked for these things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some people put in like six requests. But one thing that was interesting is the dating on some of this. Yes. You have some of it going back as early as November of 2016, then through December. However, the very last person to ask for the unmasking is Joe Biden. Yes. On the 12th of January of 2017, which would be eight days before Donald Trump was inaugurated. Yes. Which is odd. Why do you want to know that, Joe? What are you? What, what's the story, Joe? And there are other people in here who, are, I mean, there's what maybe twenty names on this mm-hmm. who Joe Biden would have known, and it just seems odd because he never asked for anything else on it, and then just before he leaves office, he's asking about it. Yeah, I mean, if you look, I think there's it. There's obviously a, this. This has in the in the words of. In the mouth of Donald, this has become Obama gate. Now, obviously, it very much depends what color you are in the United States, whether you're red or you're a red state or, or a blue state, or whether how you uh, how you, you take that. The blue staters are laughing uproariously and jeering, jeeringly at it, but it's not the 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 worries are not coming just from places like the National Review. There's an opinion piece in the, on the CNN uh, about this, which is. Pretty straight down the line on Obama's complicity. I mean, it's saying that in 2016, Obama's national security advisor, Susan Rice, told her staff to, quote, stand down and knock it off 
as they drew up plans to strike back against the Russians. This is according to an account from Michael Isakoff and David Korn in their book on Russian roulette. So there was an awareness, certainly the case, there was an awareness that the Russians were involved. Obama was was aware of it. He did nothing. Now, remember, at the same time, you have the, the, the politics that was being played, like Biden had attacked Mitch McConnell. For there was a letter going around, and I can't remember, was it during the during the two thousand sixteen election. There was a letter going around which was condemning the Russians, hitting back at the Russians, and Mitch McConnell refused to sign it. And Joe Biden went after him on this basis, and yet it transpires that that Biden was part of an uh, of uh, a regime which was perfectly well aware that the Russians had been for at least two years directly involved in messing around in American politics and had effectively chosen to do nothing about it. And on, as you say, on as regards the uh, the story with Ryan, it, it, it's the lateness of the date that Biden, I mean, Joe was obviously planning, Joe was obviously planning that he was going to be the next guy up. You know, he was going to be, he was going to be running uh, a campaign. So he got, he, he decided, well, he would appear, you could certainly put that colour out. He decided to arm himself with information that might be useful by taking that uh, unmasking. That's entirely about I mean, the phone call that Flynn he had with the Russian ambassador, who was subsequently changed, unsurprisingly, uh, was on December 29th. So a lot of these requests are substantially before that. Basically, the list that's released is people who may have received, this is the exact phrasing, a list of recipients who may have received Lieutenant General Flynn's identity in response to a request. So there were requests for that may have caught that may have provided his name from early November, mm-hmm. but not in relation to the phone call. The dating on it is is you're right, super weird. I mean, some of the names on this. One of the names is the Chief of Staff to the President of the United States on the fifth of January. Yeah, but I do like the the fact that the Americans like this goes all the way up. Everyone has to request this if they want it. I suppose the reader might, the listener rather, might wonder. And it says, "What's what's uh, so what? What's the point?" Well, the so what isn't so much the American politics. It's I suppose more more interesting or more important is the fact that the Russians are doing what they're doing. But then again, why anybody? I I can't understand why anybody wouldn't assume just as a day to day fact that Russian would be doing this. Russia has been doing this pretty well since Russia, well since the twenties. Why it should why it should suddenly have decided to stop trying to influence American politics in a nefarious way? But and this is the thing, not that it bothered me particularly, but Barack Obama has achieved in the eyes of two groups: those people who haven't been paying much attention, but just you know, see these pictures on telly, and on the European progressive left. This kind of oh, canonization, I suppose, political canonization. He is an he is an avatar of Vishnu. Now, I don't have a particular problem with Obama as a president. I don't, in the sense that he was this demonic character. The fact is, the reality of Obama's presidency, Gary, I would have said, was he did almost nothing. I do remember reading an article after Obama had left, and it was, it was maybe two years into the Trump presidency, and it was talking about how uh, Obama had had no controversies apart from that tan suit thing. Yeah. I mean, there are actually rather a lot of controversies, particularly involving whistleblowers and drone strikes. Yeah, killing American citizens with drones abroad, which is kind of not what you're supposed to do when you're president. No, no, giving the president the power to effectively assassinate 
American citizens with drones was probably not the high point of the progressive regime under Obama. I mean, this this seems to be, the Trump administration is very clearly positioning this as being part of an attempt by the Obama administration to discredit the incoming Trump administration. Yes. And their concern is that all of these things were leaked um, to the press. And the Flynn, yes, he talked to the Russians, but he was also the national security advisor of the incoming president's regime. Mm -hmm. So talking to the Russians would be a perfectly normal thing. Now, the um, spokesperson for Biden's campaign has come out and said that, but yeah, we we looked at it, but that was just because there was concern about the uh, conversation and we wanted to know who did it. Mm. Then he says that no, no one could have known Flynn's identity beforehand, which I would doubt. Yeah, it's, frankly, mm, seems unlikely. I mean, you don't get it's like it's not twenty people; it's sixteen people. You don't get sixteen different people who might have had knowledge of General Flynn and any relations he had with Russians, mm. be it the ambassador or anyone else, and not have someone mention that to someone. You might not be able to publicly say it or privately say it in some cases, but you can certainly say, "Oh, you may want to look into that." Might be something interesting there. Yeah, this particular thing. So I, I don't really buy that. And I mean, I'd say they actually do have a fairly good point that the Obama White House does appear to have leaked rather a lot of information as they were outgoing to damage the incoming Trump presidency. If you were to look for one characteristic of the Obama White House, more than any other, it, it, there's a line in some play where so, a play or a film or something where somebody is accused of having in single-handedly destroying the imperial presidency. The imperial presidency is an idea, or a, I suppose, which essentially was a construct of uh, Frank Delano Roosevelt, uh, this imperial presidency that he, cre- he created when he took the opportunity of the of the great, well, the, he, of an economic recession, which he succeeded in turning into the Great Depression through a series of some of the most inspired bad economic policies that man has ever seen, and then used the poverty of the people and the patronage available to him as president to create this imperial presidency. There had been a perception of the imperial presidency a little bit in decline. I don't think any president has has existed as much through executive order as Barack Obama did. He just no. didn't do business with Congress. He just wasn't interested. Tried once, first, second month. They didn't say the nice thing. He went off and said, well, that's it. And he just signed executive order after executive order. How many of them would be legal or constitutional, we'll never know. But they, and then, of course, the handy thing about that sort of stuff is that all you have to do is the next executive just signs them out. Uh, I did like the way that Richard Grenell has done this because he, he declassified the document, which meant it was legal to share it. And then he said he wasn't going, they weren't going to give the press a copy. Um, but yet I'm currently looking at it, almost as if it was... Uh, almost as if it was there in reality. Almost as if the second it was declassified and given to someone, it was uh, it was out there. I'll include a link to it in the um, in the description of this if you want to have a look at some uh, declassified information. The Flynn thing, this thing, kind of in isolation doesn't make a lot of sense because it seems really minor. But it ties into the much wider thing of the Russian investigation, basically, if that is a legitimate investigation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or if that is really just a tool of politics to discredit the presidency. What I would say is Russia generally doesn't pick 
winners so much as it picks losers. Absolutely. And as anybody will tell you, in whatever game you're playing, whether it's horses, politics or dogs, it's much easier to break a leg than guarantee a win. And so that's always a sensible way to do it. Yeah, I mean, what they would want would be a loss of trust in the presidency and institutions and effectively the breakdown of any chance of political compromise because that weakens the country as a whole. Yeah, and that makes it... If that was their aim, they have have largely succeeded due to the people who think they're protecting the country from that. It does make you think that maybe the Russians have been active in Irish politics for quite some time if a total breakdown in faith in institutions and a failure of government to operate. Anyway, Gary, it's a beautiful day. The sunshine is going to be sunny for the weekend. We're going to be getting free access and movements of all sorts of kinds this weekend, I'm told. It's happening on Monday, I suppose. But until then, we'll be back on Sunday with our Sunday miscellany, our fun wrap-up of the week. But I'd say till then, get out, take the air, enjoy the sunshine, be safe, and see you on Sunday. Enjoy your strawberry Hitlers. Bye-bye.